two, one. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cocktails and Comics. Although this is being recorded on a Sunday morning, so it's more like coffee and comics. I am joined by Mr. Brian Hughes. Say hello, Brian. Hey. <laughs> Mr. John Hyatt. Good morning and cheers. Hello, John. Hey. And Mr. Mr. Kirk Grovenveld. Say hello. Good morning. We'll do Greenfield this time. We're going to do Greenfield this time? Okay. I got if, you were to you ever... if you were to pronounce it in Dutch, it would be Hoonfeld. Hoonfeld. Well, we wanted to get together this morning to just have kind of a general, uh, typical cocktail and comic show where we just, it's mostly pulpery. What's on top of our mind? What shows we watch and what movies we've seen? What comic news has come out? Um, really anything that kind of tickles our fancy. And, uh,. With that, I, I will kick us off with what uh, we've been talking about in Messenger for the last week, and that is the Heroes Initiative offers a limited reprint of the JLA Avengers crossover. If uh, if you'll reprint, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure we'll, that out. So we'll, we'll get there. For those that don't know, there was a time when Marvel and DC cooperated to have their biggest heroes fight it out right every comic nerd's dream who would win right against uh you know a batman versus uh hawkeye right or a, a flash versus uh iron man uh so it, it's it was a a very successful miniseries i think it was four issues yeah but it wasn't um, the first time they tried it correct but it was a it was a huge success yes um they they did do a couple of trade paperback reprints shortly after um, the miniseries concluded, but there's been nothing ever since. And of course, everyone chalked it up to, you know, the companies not wanting to work together. But in light of uh, George Perez's, uh, you know, health situation, um, Heroes Initiative has offered this limited reprint of the JLA, JLA Avengers crossover. And I'll just read you the solicit because maybe not everybody's familiar with it. Uh, for the first time in decades, the acclaimed JLA Avengers crossover will be reprinted by Hero Initiative, the charity dedicated to helping comic book, comic book creators in medical or financial need. With only 7,000 copies being printed, Hero Initiative is honoring one of George Perez's seminal bodies of work and his longtime support of Hero. JLA Avengers will be available in March from participating comic book stores and will be distributed via Diamond Comic Distributors. This 288-page full-color softbound volume features the original 2003 four-issue co-publishing venture between DC and Marvel, written by Kurt Busiek with art by George Perez. The book carries a retail price of $29.99 and is limited to 7,000 copies. What's interesting in this version is uh, this collection also features 64 pages of companion content and will reprint the introductions by original Avengers writer-editor Stan Lee, and Justice League of America editor Julius Schwartz. A bonus to in the Hero Initiative edition is a new afterword by Kurt Busiek. Uh, and then it concludes with George Perez is a founding member of Hero's Initiative Board of Directors and has served as chair of its uh, distribution committee. So, yes, everyone in the comic book world went, <gasps> what? Because it came out of, literally came out of left field. Um, and we only had a week to put orders in. And of course, with a print run of only 7,000 copies, uh, pretty much everybody's like, yeah, we're going to get allocated. And I think 
John, you even tried reaching out to a couple of your local comic shops. Yeah, and they're not taking any kind of pre-orders. They're probably just going to first whoever shows up on the day they get there it's the ones who get it i don't know what they're gonna do they're gonna scalp it is what they're gonna do it's gonna be i mean anybody that can get their hands on it is going to start asking a mint for it yeah oh it's a it's a manufactured collectible and setting it at seven thousand and getting publicity and knowing that so to speak this is the end of the road yeah and the only thing that that does is it hurts it it doesn't help anyone except for the scalpers Mm-hmm. It doesn't help Heroes Initiative because they're going to get what they get. It doesn't help Marvel or DC, and it definitely doesn't help the creator. So, I mean, it must, I, I don't know, David, what do you think? Uh, do you think Marvel and DC put the kibosh on how many they could order? Because I, I like I said in our chat, I mean, they could print 20,000 and they would sell out. I mean, they're, they're not going to be left on the shelves. You know, I think because, uh, like, I looked at a couple of their Facebook groups. The George Perez page alone has eight thousand people, and if, right. if all of them bought one, that's going to sell out yeah. the seven thousand run. And you know, a lot of there's a lot of people who aren't on those pages that would be interested, and some people would want to buy two copies. Um, one maybe maybe one to scalp, but maybe one just for a backup. I don't know. Maybe there'll be something that'll come out later that says why why it was limited to seven thousand. I mean, uh, for a standard trade paperback, I'd say that's a pretty high print run initially. Uh, if you look at most trade paperbacks, I mean, they sell a few thousand um, each month. But the fact that you know we're only given a week, um, I think they either already have these printed up or. You know, it's sitting at the printer as we speak because it's supposed to come out March 16th. So that's a very quick turnaround time. Uh, so I, I don't know. It does seem small to me. I don't know why they wouldn't just do a nice round number of, say, 10,000. Hmm. I, I think with so much uh, press on what's going on with George and, you know, just the way the fans are uh, towards the older material that this is one of those things where they're probably going to have to reassess and uh, you know create more. Obviously, they're going to see the demand on this is uh, higher than just the need for seven thousand. But then again, thirty dollar price tag, you know, everybody's going to sit there and say I'm there. But when time comes, not everybody's going to sit there and say, Oh, I have the money. Though this is the right time to to hit everybody up for it because everybody's getting their income tax returns. So. And thirty bucks isn't bad. No, uh, not at all. For the for this, you know, uh, I think I'm I have original that, issues. That, that, that this is, I mean, again, it's the problem of getting DC and Marvel to work together. But this is something that begs for an absolute edition, or you know, something along those lines. And you know, it. it I mean, they're not going to include any of the artwork from the original attempt. From the Does it, from doesn't the, say anything in the solicit. You yeah, think yeah. they would they would have put that in there? Yeah, because I mean that that um, update that I, I don't remember the name of the guy that did it, um, but it was really really good work. Uh, someone had taken all of the the art and everything in the story that they understood it, and they created the full story. Oh yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, I can't remember who did that either. Uh, we'll find it and put it. I think it was just a fan, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was a fan. It was total fan work. He took the original pages and uh, inked them, colored them, and added some potential dialogue. He doesn't have a script, but based on what the plot 
outlines that have or whatever has been sort of talked about the plot over the years and what the actual images are he created some dialogue and then he finished the book <laughs> with what he thought might it, it might have been based on the the direction it was going it was interesting you know um it definitely wasn't going to be perez and wolfman or whoever was roy thomas whoever was originally on it but it was a really fun read it was fun to go through and um, it was definitely enjoyable where did you see this <clears throat> we'll find it um i'm going to try to look it up while we're talking and i'll uh yeah bring I, it up. We, we actually made it available to everybody a while back uh yeah. in in the in the, in our dropbox but uh i'll have to look and see see where that's that's shared so we'll, we'll see, kind of wrap this section up. We'll see where this goes. I mean, I, there's nothing in here that's saying, you know, we won't do a second printing or, um, you know, should they sell out? Hopefully they make a statement as to why they had to limit it to 7,000 copies, you know, whether that's a Marvel thing, a DC thing, or they didn't think the demand was there. You know, there's, it's tricky to figure out what the actual demand is. And I think, Brian, you, you kind of hit it on the head with people will talk a lot of talk. <laughs> You know, it's like when you know when an omnibus gets released, right, or or announced, like, oh, I'm going to get that. I I have to have that, and then you know it comes out and nobody buys it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll, well see. They, I, I would have liked to have had a, a hard cover. I don't know why they did a soft cover. Well, David, um, to your point, maybe uh, how long does it normally take to get a trade paperback like this? Not not this one particularly, but what six months maybe to get it from collecting back into the format it needs because i mean the last time this was printed in any kind of trade was what 10 15 years ago At how least. long does it take so maybe this all got into place like you said a typical trade paperback is around 7000 that's high maybe they started all this before his announcement of his um, health issues and his hospice care and so that's actually making people more aware I, I don't think that that's the case because right now the rift between Marvel and DC is uh, pretty wide the the thought of them coming together on anything uh, is is really you know uh, something that that's just not being considered and so getting these cross-company, team-ups and such to to be reprinted is unlikely at best. They did a, a couple trade paperbacks uh, you know, 15 years ago or so, I guess, are the DC Marvel crossover books. And you can find those at like half-price books and comic book shops and whatnot. But getting them to come together no, now is... Yeah, you can't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cause they, they <laughs> no, you can't. Gotten no, you demand. can't, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Uh, the last reprinting was 2008, yeah. it looks like. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, just to give you an, an example, John, so if I look at Diamond right now, this week's uh, FOC, uh, let's see. Ghost Rider, Epic Collection, Trade Paperback, Hell on Wheels. It's reprinting the uh, Marvel Spotlight 5 through 12, Ghost Rider 1 through 11, and Marvel Team Up 15. So this is the classic original Ghost Rider. That's being solicited the end of, for the end of this week or tomorrow, and that comes out May fourth. Um, there's a Black Panther by Tanessi Coates Omnibus being solicited. Uh, that comes out in August. Uh, let's see if I can grab another one here. Jane Foster trade paperback Saga of Mighty Thor again May fourth. So typically there's a several month 
lead time when you're placing these final orders. Uh, so very unusual to, for it to be such a fast turnaround. Yeah. But I've got our orders in. We'll see what we get. Yay. Well, uh, well, and, you know, comfort and health to uh, George Perez and his family during this time. And um, uh-huh. I think some of it said that um, all he is not taking any of the proceeds of this. He's giving it all or just letting it all rest with your initiative to help other creators or whatever. So uh, what an amazing person. Yeah, because there's guys like, like Bill Mantlow that are needing constant day-to-day care and Bill didn't have any kind of great nest egg as I understand it. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely there, there are a lot of others because a lot of the artists and writers of the of the 70s and 80s, you know, they were just, you know, work for hire and they did the job they did. So they didn't have long-term insurance plans and, and all that. And so it was hand to mouth, you know. Um, now, you got me thinking, David, you know, t- in all that talk, there's some omnibuses coming coming down the pike here pretty soon, actually, aren't there? I mean, I know there's um, what the uh, the thing omnibus that's coming out is that in May. I can tell you here in just a minute. And then there's the Book of Doom, which I think is supposed to come out in June. I'm trying to think what was the most recent one that's been released because I was yes, uh, Thing Omnibus. Uh, there's a John Byrne variant cover that is May 18th. May, okay, yeah, 125 bucks. And it includes the Thing 1 through 36, Fantastic Four 274, 277, 296, Secret Wars 2 number 7. West Coast Avengers number 10, Quest Probe ugh, number 3, <laughs> Marvel Tales number uh, 198, Marvel Graphic Novel Hulk and Thing, The Big Change, and material from Marvel Fanfare number 15 and Marvel Superheroes number 5. Now, aside from the Fantastic Four work, I don't think there's, there's much burn artwork in there. Because Ron Wilson did all the artwork on the Thing miniseries, uh, Thing series, right? Yeah, see, Byrne is listed as the writer, and Ron Wilson as the artist, but Byrne did the cover. Hmm. Okay, all right. Well, I don't know if I'm going to spring for that one. I bought a lot of the Omnibuy lately, Um, and thanks to my friend David here, I was able to acquire these. Uh, Golly, the... uh... What was the last one I sent you? Uh, Force World, Jack Kirby. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. But I, there was one that came out recently that I was going to get, and I don't know what happened. Oh, that's right, money. Okay, I, I've got a little tangent here. Um, you ever had this happen to you? Now, you guys know that I'm a Mountain Dew junkie. That instead of coffee, i got to get my caffeine from Mountain Dew. And um, this morning, about 7.30... This one day that I get to sleep in each week, my job <laughs> calls and wakes me up because there's something that's happened and they need my assistance. And so I had to jump on and do that. And as I'm, I'm sitting there trying to wake myself up, I, I realize that I don't have any cold Mountain Dew. 
and I'm sorry, uh -oh. I am not Dr. Bell. I want it cold. I want it freaking ice cold. So <laughs> I just go and I run, uh, get a can, clean it off, and throw it into the ice box, into the ice itself uh, mm -hmm. for the, from the ice dispenser. And, you know, I'll usually leave it in there about 15 minutes mm -hmm. and then go back and mm -hmm. get it. It's nice and cold. Ker pop. I, I forgot about it. Yeah. And finally got back to it and opened it, and it's like a Slurpee <laughs> inside. I, it's like, it's melted down now, but for a while there, I was sucking on a, a Mountain Dew Slurpee. Hey, at least it didn't explode. Yes, I know, I'm very fortunate. Yeah. I had an old roommate that did that with a Coke, and it exploded. That's just the worst, it's ugly. But if it, if it happened in this case, it would have just been in that ice compartment. I could just pull all that out, dump it out, you know. That's water. Yeah, not as bad as a car. Ugh. Yeah, oh, that's horrible. And in the north, like where you're at, that. Ooh, that could that's happen. The, that's quite the thing. Easily. I've, I had made that mistake one time. I had a Sprite explode all over the back seat. Thankfully, the car had leather, so I could wipe it off. But man, yeah, it's it sucks. And, and it's like uh, a year later, you're sitting there getting something out of the car, and you, hey, there's a little bit of coke right there. Did we talk about that there's a Fantastic Four by Burn Omnibus coming out in August? We haven't yet. And this is... this Let's, is the, let's, this let's talk th about that. <laughs> Which one is this, though? This is... Uh, um... Fantastic Four by Burn Omnibus Hardcover Volume 1 Anniversary Cover. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. What does this collect? Collecting Marvel Team Up 6162, Marvel 2 and 150, Fantastic Four 209 to 218, 220 to 221. Oh, that's right. I think we're. Why did they leave out 219? Did he not do that one? He didn't do it. Uh, 220, 221, 223 to 260. Annual number 17, uh, Avengers 233, and Thing number 2. Man, that thing's going to be like 1,100 pages. That's a lot. That is a lot, isn't it? Yep. That is a lot. I he drew them all. Re remember uh, over on the Fantastic Cast when Andy and uh, Steve would, would have an omnibus and you'd hear this, there goes a vagrant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got my uh, Batman's, well, I got two of them. I got Road to No Man's Land and then Batman No Man's Land. The Both of those omnibuses, the one weighs over eight pounds. And the other one is like seven and a half. They're huge. Good thing that um, Priority Mail is up to 70 pounds to ship for flat rate, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that image they've got, but every every time I look at the image on the Fantastic Four omnibus, I see that and I just see the what is it always in my mind, the lacking of image of Jack Kirby there next to Stan. And I know there's a lot of... The alternate cover yeah there's there's a lot of um, it's an obvious gap there's always a lot of background discussion about why that was what that was but that was kirby himself didn't want to be on the cover as he was in in uh dispute with marvel at the time that they were doing this and i just think that you know regardless it was a big disservice but you know what, what can you say what can you do that's that's what it is but uh there's a lot of back and forth about whether or not Byrne drew it on there and all that. And I, I don't care at this point what the, what the actual fact of that matter is. It's just, you know, that's what it is. And I'm just going to say that's all I want to talk about on the subject. <laughs> but, 
but did you crack crack open your sensational She-Hulk omnibus yet? Did I get that? I don't. Have I received that? Hold on a second. I got. I got to look. I don't remember. Did I get that? Hey, there's also a Savage She-Hulk coming out, isn't there? But did David, David, David did you? the original uh, uh, She-Hulk series. Yep, I think so. David, did you I'm send me one? To get that. Am I just? I thought. I thought you ordered one. Hold on. Let me take a look. Or maybe, I'm really tempted maybe, to get that Savage She-Hulk one because I love that series, sort of. <laughs> but I have it in the essential black and white, so I'm like, do I really want to spring 100 bucks for color? I'm not oh, sure. Oh, in the bigger, big pages. What's that? Much, much bigger pages. Oh yeah, I know. Wait, I know. Savage. I might be, I might be uh, hitting you up for a, a copy. <laughs> no, I do not have one. How many issues is in the Savage She-Hulk series? Is it the original where she first shows up? The original series ran, for, I think, for 25 issues. And I, I'm not sure if they're pulling in any extra issues or not, or if it's just the straight the straight run from the original series. Uh, it comes out April 20th. Savage? Yep. Uh, collecting Savage, She-Hulk 1 through 25, and Marvel 2 and 1, 88. Oh, okay. Six, 648 pages. So, well, not, not a bad, not a bad. Um, that's hefty. You could put that in your lap and not have it crush your legs. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a hundred dollar one, so it's not as big as like the Batman ones I mentioned. <clears throat> Which yeah. kind of leads me. Yeah, well, I mean, this one doesn't. But um, thinking of the Fantastic Four really is what led me to um, today's subject. The, the, at least the one that I wanted to broach for everybody was what in your mind, and, and bear in mind, this is going to be incredibly specific, and I'm not going to give you any time to really think about it, so I want your your instant gut reaction answer, and that is what in your mind is the quintessential Byrne comic image, the one that comes to mind when you think of John Byrne's work, and it doesn't have to be a specific run or anything, just one image that always comes to your mind when you think about them. Because I know if That's I said what, what what's the quintessential book or, or or series that you worked on, you'd say either X Men, Fantastic Four, or Superman. But there's got to be like that one image that always comes to mind when you're sitting there thinking about them. I'm raising my hand. Call on me. Call on me. Kirk. X Men number one forty one cover. The uh, wanted poster. The days of future past. Yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a really really good one. Um, one. One that comes to my mind is the uh, the sideways Fantastic Four negative zone cover, and I think it's just a dynamic. You know how dynamic it is. That, that, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is everything. interesting, and that that just stands out really big as you know one of those great things and i mean the th- and above and beyond everything else one thing I, that that we have to remember is that even though burn worked on a numerous series where he you know, made his mark and all that he also did covers for a lot of books that he didn't work on regularly and those covers and you know became iconic or became well known or became famous for one thing or another i mean he did a, a gi joe cover that is very famous amongst a certain crowd, especially bikers, um, that for whatever reason happen to like it because it's got you know a lot of guys on on was it Harley's, and so it's like when you go to a convention with, where John Burns at, 
and uh, you see people standing in line to get his autograph, there's invariably a guy there in leather holding that one issue of G.I. Joe. I don't know why, but we ran, we saw this. <laughs> Mine would be the Man of Steel number one. The shirt rip? Yep. Yep. That's Yeah, that's, that's truly, truly iconic. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's so hard because when I... When you asked, I wanted your you know, gut reaction, your gut feeling—the very first thing that came to mind, you know. Magneto at the end of X Men One Thirteen. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that's yeah. really good. That is good. And and I'm thinking, you know, Magneto came to my mind, uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, but I really love Phoenix. I, it should be a Phoenix image, but it wasn't. Just that Magneto was so impressive. Yeah, and so unexpected when it shows up. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're thinking Mesmero, and then all of a sudden, what? <laughs> I think that you know, as if as we get responses from people that that listen to this, I think the one image that's probably going to be spoken of a lot is uh, the end of issue one thirty two of the X Men. Wolverine sitting there, going, "Okay, suckers, you taking your best shot now? It's my turn." Yeah, I was surprised you didn't go with that one, Brian. I would have expected that was yours. You know, the the, the thing is, and, and that, that, of course, is one that, that does crop up, but whenever someone mentions, you know, John Byrne out of the blue, uh, for whatever reason, that Fantastic Four image always comes up as one of those, you know, dynamic, it, it's a poster, it's, it's whatever it is. It's one of those things that make a great poster. Likewise with Days of Future Past, uh, the Man of Steel one is, is like itself a, a great promotional poster. I like the one where he's coming through the wall, personally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that is that is what it is. I mean, still, the, the Wolverine one, it's an awesome one. I just don't see it as being a poster. And part of that is because of the word balloon. You know, I mean, you can get that uh, that print image that he did... Was it uh, the Japanese image or a Japanese print book or whatever that was that he uh, put out in the 90s? Where they, he had reimagined. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I say Japanese, I'm trying to remember. Um, it's pretty expensive now, but it's it was like a portfolio. Right, Brian's, Brian's bringing the deep cut. The deep a, cuts here. It was a portfolio put out in the 90s that had uh, a number of uh, works by Byrne where he re imagined or revisioned the uh, quintessential images uh, Phoenix getting blasted by that gun on um, on the moon the blue area of the moon in front of Cyclops uh, Wolverine down in the sewer with his claws out but it was all silent black and white uh, images of uh, quintessential moments and uh, so I'm going to have to find that now so you can know what I'm talking about the images are out there for anybody to see. The portfolios are ridiculously expensive. If you got a couple hundred dollars, I think you can get it. Um, I, they're not something that's showing up at the auction houses lately, like uh, you know, original artwork. Y'all vamp amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, if you just Google it, you'll see the the images of like four different bits of uh, art, the um, or six actually. I'm sorry. Let me go here. Wolverine down in the sewer, and that took me away from what I wanted to see. 
Uh, Storm, it looks like, with the Nagari demons. Phoenix getting blasted. Colossus on the, uh, you know, getting burned at the stake. Um, and then there's a uh, Kitty Pride running from, yeah, Kitty Pride running from the demon. And I had not heard of this collection before. Yeah, the Storm one isn't against the demon. I mean, it's Storm and Nightcrawler's in the background. It looks like against Proteus because it's like reality in the ground and everything is warping around her. Um, and then there's Cyclops blowing up the the totems that Shaman is sending against them, and so Alpha Flight's in the background. You can see uh, Sasquatch, Aurora Northstar, and Shaman, and then a couple of those weird totem things that he had attacking, and a lot of Argle Bargle. I'll have to see if I can yeah. collect these images and, and send them to you. I've never heard of this portfolio either, David. Yeah, let me see if I can get a little bit. It came out in 1993. It was the John Byrne X-Men portfolio. Um, uh, let's save that. Anyway. Where's Doc Doom's time machine when you need it? You know, people would be doing such the wrong things with time machines, you know? Don't go to mm -hmm. the past. Go to the future. Check it out, you know? You can mess with anything. I mean, you find out your favorite TV show has been canceled. Maybe, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the first thing I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, I'm just, you know, again, asking what's that quintessential image and, um, you know, what is it about it that makes it, you know, that, that, that thing that comes to mind? Um, again, you know, I say about that Fantastic Four one is that it just, it's like that perfect poster it's that perfect image of them in that era that Byrne was working and that was like that great era of the marvel age comics and uh we loved it because everything was connected uh, you know it's like there was always a, a touch on uh, the left and the right side of the marvel universe from the fantastic four and of course this is them in the negative zone it was just uh, evocative of so much of a, of a, a gigantic universe around the fantastic four which is one of those great things. They're not street-level heroes. Oh, sometimes we see them at street level. But this is, you look at it and you're just like, wow. I mean, it just brings to mind, you know, the idea that, that anything can happen there. And it was really cool. You just like the images because they're cool, right? Indeed. <laughs> well, there's other images that pop up, like, again, you know, like you said, the 141, that that wanted poster uh the to me also the uh cover of 136 where cyclops is holding phoenix's body uh, on the cover yeah uh, it's just wow there's just so many uh it probably depends on when you when you ask yeah. what might pop in you know first as to which which image is is really uh so iconic but there's a lot of iconic images he's he really did a lot of good stuff yeah, cover's got to grab you, and that's why I picked that Man of Steel, and I remember being a young kid and seeing that, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> you know, like, I want to read this. This looks cool. Yeah, that, that does that does grab you, and I mean, obviously, when I saw the Man of Steel for the first time, and, and that was one of those things that was completely uh, uh, unaware of that he was doing. I don't know, I had my head in the sand or whatever. But then, you know, comic book shops were really, at that point, becoming a thing 
but I wasn't getting into the conversations with the people in the comic book shops yet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like like what became I, I guess a staple for us is like where you would go into the store and it just be a place to hang out for hours at a time as you're having these conversations that we're having now here on the podcast. Right. Um, but yeah, dang it. I'm I'm just trying to get the image to you guys so you can see what I'm talking about on that por- portfolio, but my uh, computer is not uh, uh, working agreeably with me right now, and I don't know why. And so is this is it similar to like the uh, uh, IDW those artifact edition ones where they're over, oversized? You know, they're the same. I shouldn't say oversized. They're the same size as the the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, that they draw the images on yeah. so you get to see them in their full glory. Yeah, you get you get in this full glory, and it's again, it's a portfolio. It's a thing with a, a fold-over top, and you open it up, and it's got, you know, the prints in it. Um, I got another one um, that was uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, uh doing The Shadow from the, the, the miniseries, the Andy Helfer series of the late 80s. Um, why isn't this showing up? But, um... Yeah, I'm going to keep trying to get this going. But you guys go, again, get vamp. Because <laughs> this is fighting me. I, I'm, a, I'm only on my first cup of coffee, sir. You need to simmer down. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, you not to totally shift gears, but, uh, you know, stuff that, that we're all watching at home. So we uh, we started watching The Handmaiden's Tale a few weeks back. Oh, and man, is that a dark show? And just i know this is i don't want to go into political stuff but you can definitely see some shades of of what has happened in our own country and it's a little unnerving every every show that's that seemed every new show that seems to be on seems to be you know throwing shade and all that and it's getting old for me i i i the, i want to escape from the the horrible reality of the things that we're dealing with right now and you know, yeah. our, our our TV and film media people are just like, no, no, we're going to hammer you over the head. With, well, with, that's with, true. The industry, they've always been imitative and drawn inspiration from the world around them. Yeah, but like Star Trek was at least, for the most part, subtle. I'm not talking let this be your last battlefield. I'm talking, you know, <laughs> the other things what, that, that they wasn't did. subtle? <laughs> <laughs> So even well, if we watch escapism, black on the left, I'm black on the right. <laughs> but for escapism, we just finished Boba Fett and uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that uh, immensely. Not, I mean, I think uh, there's still a lot of people that didn't. And I um, mean, immensely, that's high praise for that show. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I it, to me, it felt like it felt like The Godfather kind of stuff. You know, it it, it was giving a lot of. Uh, Godfather moves, and I'm, I'm thinking more from Godfather Two when you watch the young Vito Cor- Corleone uh, go through all the things he did to become Don Vito Corleone, the Godfather. So, and so I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna disagree with you. You're welcome to. I think I think the Godfather is way too high a praise. I think that show. We were close to pulling the plug on it until uh, the Mandalorian showed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because it was just, I felt like it just was, uh, there was Bonanza. no point. Yeah. yeah, there was just like no point to it. You know, there's just, agree. you know, ambling around, not really doing anything. And, and I don't blame the writers of the show, but the more I, you know, we got into the episodes, I'm going, what are they going to do? Because they're trying to, 
work inside this box, right, of canon that they've built themselves around. So he can't do anything majorly important that's going to change the timeline, you know, downstream. Actually, they're working on that. Um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni uh, are, are doing a number of things that they're going to be releasing, uh, you know, in, in the near future that is going to change the, 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 the sequel trilogy. Uh, and, and hopefully make make things a bit more palatable for the fans. What 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 do you consider the sequel trilogy? I'm talking about the fan. Uh, I'm sorry, the Force four, Awakens. Five, yeah, no, Force Force Awakens. Last oh, Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, they're they're basically trying to find a way of they're they're fixing it. I should say is, is what it sounds like. And uh, for more information on that, you got to listen to J Guys and Jedi. Chris Honeywell and uh, Holt Mullenix. Uh, have been talking about that a lot, and they're they're of course. You say gay, gay guys, gay guys, gay guys. Oh, <laughs> David, I, I thought he said the same thing. I'm like gay guys and gay guys. Okay, yeah, it was kind of catchy. That's a I was like, wow. yeah, it does. Yeah, that's a companion series. Yeah. <laughs> well, Star Wars is a brave new world. So so why don't what so why don't we talk about you know so let me go first. I'll say something I didn't like that really bothered me in the show, and then Brian, you can say something that you really like. Okay. Hey, and before we do. If anyone hasn't seen it, this yeah. may be spoiler, so yeah. skip ahead and because hey, you know what? Well, are you spoiling the whole series or just the seventh episode? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we don't know. Well, it depends on where this goes. This car, we we don't have well, a well, wait, Kirk, have you seven. watched it? I've watched all, but I'm about a week behind. I didn't watch the last episode oh. because the Olympics have come on and somebody else hijacked the television set every <laughs> night. So you know, it's like okay, I'll just wait. Okay, then then for Kirk's sake, let's not talk about the end episode. Does that sound fair? Or I can just just drop off for a little bit and come no, back. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anything I needs to be said about the, the seventh episode. Yeah, we, we, we don't have to talk about the seventh episode because there's plenty of things to yeah. talk about. You know, And we're not going to be going over, I, hopefully, all, all the plot points. Just a couple um, interesting just a, yeah, just a few. Yeah, just a few that really, you know, nagged at me. Um so the first one, obviously it's been said, um, how do you reconcile that he goes into the Sarlacc pit uh, with a young, fit body and comes out an old, fat guy? <laughs> how long was he in there? Did he eat his way out? Like, that just, uh, I know he's got the great voice for it, but from a continuity perspective, it's like, uh, I think we're meant to believe he was in there for a few days and got out, yeah. and it's like... It's not even the same person. So that right there, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking about the kids, Brian. I'm thinking about the kids, the, the people that will come next to Star Wars, and we want to be able to be like the, you know, guiding the Padawans, right? Of like, oh, if you want to find out what happened to Boba Fett after he fell in the Sarlacc pit, go watch Book of Boba. And anybody that goes from that movie to that is going to go, what the F? Who is this guy? David, had we seen Boba without his helmet before? No. Star Wars, oh, Rebels. Star Wars Rebels oh. and Clone Wars, you got to see okay. young Boba Fett right. running around with Cad Bane. And okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's I'm just, just saying phys- physical appearance. Yeah. You know, okay. He, so, yeah. He was supposed to be, you know, the. I, I guessed he was at least in his 30s, but, you know. Well, again, Tim and I have had this discussion. Tim and I had this discussion about the age of Boba Fett and, and how it's, it's reflected. Now, remember, of course, that. 
the stuff we're seeing right now in the the book of Boba Fett, the the current time bits that we're seeing, is at least five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay, and uh, they've um, <clears throat> gone on record as saying that the old guy in Return of the Jedi that was with the rebellion down on the the, the forest moon of Endor was uh, Rex. Now, Rex is a clone, and Boba is also a clone made from Jango Fett. It is, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that the, 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 the early runs of clones that they had were advanced aged quickly because they started making them 10 years before. And by the time that Obi-Wan arrived at Kamino, they were full-grown soldiers ready to go into battle. So they'd aged them from zero to 20 whatever in the space of 10 years. And I don't think that stops. I think they age out pretty quick. So Boba Fett is aging at an advanced rate. And that's just my supposition from everything that I've seen and the way to explain his age. Yeah, but they said, I'll counter that because they said Boba was made from a pure, pure sample. Like he was not like the rest of the other clones. Well, and, and that, he was that raises unique. a question. How old was he in Attack of the Clones? Was he 10 years old or or what? Because he doesn't look like he's 10 years old. It looks like he was about 13 to 15. Granted, yeah, like not 15 like my son, because my son at 15 is taller than me now. Bigger than me. Oh, dear God, it's scary. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe the uh, Sarlacc acids advance the aging process quickly. There's my nor- Marvel no prize uh, submission. And and gave him a gut. <laughs> well, he had to eat. I mean, it, and he couldn't exercise. You know? <laughs> he just had a whole stash of Twinkies because it's what survived. The That's Sarlacc right. Juice. Yeah, I, I, I do have a, a, a theory. Actually, this theory was brought about by my wife, um, and this is not Boba himself, but the Pikes. Uh, now, the Pikes are one of the, the main villains of this, the series book of Boba Fett. And we hadn't seen them before, had we? The Pikes? Sure. Where? Um, in, in the Clone Wars, in the, in the, Clone the animated Wars. show. Man, I, you know, I, I'd watched all the Clone Wars, but it was kind of one of those things I had playing in the background while I was doing other things. I'd keep an the eye spice. out for the, the thing. Do you, well, my wife was wondering if the Pikes are the race of people that the Sand People came from. Like the the sand people were those that were stranded or, or left behind on Tatooine, and they you know became the tribal people that you see, because you know uh, you know we don't ever see a sand people without all the wraps and everything right. on them. Even in all this time that we see in this series, Boba Fett staying with them, you know you never see see them without. Though they never wrapped Boba Fett and all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like bandages yeah. wrapped around. You mean the head. you mean the Tuscans? Yeah, Tuscans. What was I saying? Sand yeah. people. Sand sand people. Yeah, sand people. Yeah. Those no, those are the little guys. Yeah. Jawa, no, those are Jawas. No. Phantasm. Jawas. No. Sand people are uh, the Tuscans. Yeah. Uh, Jawas mm-hmm. are the the little ones. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that the ones that uh, uh, Anakin killed? The Jawas or the Tuscans? Yeah. Which one did he kill? Yeah. He, he killed the Tuscans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they got they got a they got a crap deal in the universe. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so that was my my big my first big gripe was they should have gotten a, a younger actor to play Boba, and it just kind of spiraled from there in terms of his his fighting ability and you know he's supposed to be this huge badass and 
uh, I can't think it's a second episode or whatever where he goes and gets the helmet full of credits and then he gets jumped by like five people and like that's all it takes is five thugs to potentially take out Boba Fett I thought he's supposed to be this master assassin but anyway I'll stop because that's two now so Brian do you want to highlight two things that you liked <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I did like uh, how they showed his time with the with the the sand people, and you know they tried to make the sand people sympathetic people. Um, I'd agree with that. Um, I thought that was interesting, and of course him, you know, earning his own bow staff or whatever, or a gappy stick or whatever you want to call that <laughs> from um, the mystical tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, really, as far as as far as the series did go. Uh, I, I got a big jump in joy watching the you know episode that that focused on the Mandalorian. I mean that just of course because it, it, it was the best episode. Yeah, and and, and, and yeah, and nothing with Boba. And to let you guys know, Friday night my family gave me it was a late birthday gift because they were waiting for it to come in, but they gave me a Hot Toys Mandalorian and Grogu uh, oh, figure. I saw that. Yeah, and uh, I just realized that my son had come in last night and reposed it. He's he's <laughs> flying, he's carrying Grogu, and he's got flames coming out the flamethrower. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Is that the bobblehead? No, no, no. I'll, I'll send you a picture while I'm... You know. No, I've seen it, I'm kidding. Ah. <laughs> but I'm just... Uh, oh, that's cute that he did that. That's really cool. Um, I will say a highlight of the show was... Uh, uh, what's the girl's name? Fennec. 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 Yeah. yeah. She was really good. She made that show. I think if she hadn't been in it, yes. uh, we would have fallen off quite a bit faster. Yeah. I had to look her up. You know, she's like 58. Nah, yeah. She was May Day on um, Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I yep. first saw her back in the 90s. Um, you know, when Friends was such a big series, they were, they were throwing any kind of series out on Thursday night that they hoped might stick. And one of them was The Single Guy, starring Jonathan Silverman. And uh, if you watch that show, you'll see a lot of people that are all over uh, sitcoms in that in that era. Um, the, the woman that played Ross's ex-wife's uh, partner, Susan is Jonathan Silverman's best friend in the show. And then Jack Black shows up on, I think, in at least one or two episodes. A very young a young Jack Black. I say young Black, Jack Black, but he's probably about 30 at the time. But that was just when he was really, really getting started. And uh, Bruce Willis had not shot his arm off yet in the Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but... Uh, it, you know that that she was one of the main Ming Na was one of the, the the main characters on that show, and she was you know just I I was like wow this is great, and then I was talking to my friend Kevin Topham, and apparently he knew her from high school or something else. He basically grew up with her, and so they're friends, and so he's like you know giving her a bad time because she's on that, and then she did a movie with Wesley Snipes, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It's like a fair something about affairs. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, of course, it's one of those where she shows up nude. So everybody's going to go and watch that movie now. I'm sure everybody's hitting IMDb <laughs> right now. But, yeah, I mean, at 58, she is, uh, she, you know, she, she just, uh, like, one of those people that does not age, like Paul Rudd. Yeah. She, she made the show. My wife and I both really liked her character. Um, you know, we, we did think that she took it pretty well when she got taken to the modders. 
and all of her guts taken out, and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and that, <laughs> didn't even freak out about it, but. Well, I mean. What can you, you do at that point? You're, you're, you're dead in the ground, or you're alive with tech. <laughs> Um, so she was really good at it. Um, so if you if you liked her character, because she was in a few episodes of The Mandalorian mm-hmm. before she got popped, um, uh, you know the another pain point for me was the Voltron esque scooter bikes that the little gang people had that were all different colors. I, yeah. I mean, it, I I rolled my eyes like you mean the Vespas? out of my head. Yeah, yeah, out of my head. I'm like, oh <laughs> my word. <laughs> so yes, it's it, it's one of those shows that if you haven't watched it, just I I don't want to say skip to the fourth and fifth episodes. Is that when Mando shows up? He's in the fifth episode. Look, I'd say there's still stuff in the, in the previous episodes that are worthy of watching. I mean, there yes. it just depends on what you're looking for. This one is trying to offer a little bit more than just you know action. For action's sake, it's given. It's giving the intrigue. It's also showing the the underside of the criminal, you know, the underside of the criminal underworld. But it, it's showing that that dirty underbelly. Um, and but the only downside of it is it almost kind of like it's trying to make Tatooine the dark center of the universe as opposed to being the bright center of the universe, from which it's farthest from. And uh, that that you know that's an interesting question. Is like is is it how far will this, how far reaching will this turn of events be should Boba Fett be successful in becoming the godfather of Tatooine? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to get a second, so do we know if it's going to get a second season? Yeah. Yeah, it's already been, they've already said there's yeah. going to be a second season. Yes, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big Star Wars person, but that just didn't, hey, I love Hey, I'll tell you, I, be, beyond anything else you got to say, you have to admit that Wookiee is cool. Oh yeah, well I read them in the 2015. Uh, was it the 2015 Star Wars reboot? No, it was in the Vader, the Vader series. That's where he first showed up. See, I wasn't aware of that at all. Aware of him at all. So neither was I. Yeah, and I was like, oh man. And as I understand it, um, but they well, dropped his first part of his name. It's Black. Black. The. <laughs> <laughs> his his name, of course, made me think of um, the Kurgan from Highlander series. So it's like fully uh, appropriate. They're trying to be uh, PC. It is, you know, February. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do. It just describes his coloring. You know, he's he's black, um, which we haven't seen a lot of black Wookies. Uh, you know, the black hair and the white. Well, his credit um, in, in in the show is listed as Black Kersenton. Kirst- but nobody calls him that no. in the show. So that I thought that was a little odd. But anyway, so I, I do want to talk about the great scene with uh, Mando with his uh, uh, blacksmith slash spiritual advisor uh, where he gets... Yeah. yeah, the armor where he gets attacked or challenged by one of the uh, guards, essentially, for the armor because he doesn't think that Mando is worthy to wield the the Black Saber. And I watched all of the Clone Wars. I didn't get into Rebels, but I found it very interesting that all of a sudden we find out that the Black Saber can fight back against its wielder. And it was making this the 
the weapon super heavy, and so Mando was having to drag it across these catwalks. Yeah, that was that was the the whole thing with that was really intriguing, and I have not had a chance to delve further into the black saber to find out what's what's going on there. Um, but that, that is definitely uh, an interesting point. It, it makes you wonder: Is Mando going to be able to wield it, or is it going to go on to someone else? Well, who was the, the, the guy that, from the uh, Empire that had it? I always forget his name. Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. He had no issues wielding that thing. He was whipping it around like it was a piece of licorice. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I could think of, and, and there was another guy in the Clone Wars who was leading a Separatist um, uh, Mandalorian group. Um, he wielded it just fine, too, but they were both bad people. Well, what about, so I, what about um, what's her name, Starbucks character? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she had it too, and I never, I didn't ever notice that she had difficulty wielding. But I can't remember her actually using it in battle. Right. In battle. Right. Well, it seemed to me like the the forger, the, the leader, armorer. The, the armorer. Yeah. <clears throat> she kind of said that he had to learn how to work with it, and so the other ones probably already have learned how to work with it. So Moff Gideon and. Uh, Bo-Katan? Bo- Bo-Katan, <clears throat> yeah. That Bo-Katan, that's right. Uh, so they probably already worked with it, and um, I don't know, uh, so perhaps he just needs to learn around that, and I think that's that's what I got out of that, was that he had to learn not to fight against it, but to... Um, yeah, he did beat that guy's booty in kind of a like a prison kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like he like, like getting stabbed in the shower 14 times, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I, I guess I'm, I don't know, um, I'm not as tough on it as you guys are being. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it just for the sake of a nice adventure to kind of hang out and see a little backstory, something going on in the Star Wars universe that wasn't just about the battles and the big Yeah, well, uh, David's the only one that's crapping on it here. I actually enjoyed it. I didn't say you're crapping on it. I just said I'm not as tough on it as you are. Yeah. Uh, I just I enjoyed enjoyed and yeah, there were slow times and there were like eye raising stuff like David brought up and some of the things were kind of like eh, okay, um, but I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was a nice uh, kind of cool to kind of see the back stuff about um, Tatooine and some of the characters that they brought in that we recognize, like the bands or the the characters the musicians and the bands of the uh, cantina the cantina <laughs> there you a know small kind of planet cool. there tattooing <laughs> <laughs> to me it felt like john favreau as he did with mandalorian gave it a star wars feel like from the original star wars movies um with like the, the fading scene shifts and it just felt good to me and it, there was some of the ridiculousness like the little mod gang you know when they're yeah. brightly colored vessels I mean, <laughs> but, that's so bad. But you know, that's also part of the original Star Wars. It's yeah. kind of that ridiculous nod to that kind of stuff. So you know, um, I, I, I actually say it's like one of the marks of the quality is the fact that the episode where it showed uh, Boba with uh, the um, Sand People and getting in, and then what eventually happened to them had my wife in tears. I, you know, she was inconsolable, and, and and you gotta understand is that you know before she met me, she had no interest in anything sci-fi, fantasy, whatever, any any of that, 
and just to see her, and see her get see her get you know this involved in all this is always uh, interesting. But yeah, yeah, she just really uh, felt for that. So I mean, definitely had a had a, had an effect. <clears throat> it's definitely you know jarring emotionally to some people. So. So, Kirk, what are some of your thoughts? We yeah yeah you haven't said anything yet. You've monopolized. Well, Melissa Torme uh, grew up only three blocks away from Paul Spataro. Did you know that? <laughs> I found that out yesterday. Did not know that. <laughs> it's true. He's mentioned it several times, most recently in the latest episode. Back so, to the uh, bins, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, you have any thoughts on Bubba Fett? Maybe. <laughs> oh, oh! Is that what we're talking about? Um, I liked the uh, painting that they they drove through in the crash. Um, there, there, there's a uh, street bike chase where uh, they're they're going after the gang or, or or something or other. They're on speeders, and somebody, of course, in in true uh, Keystone Cops fashion, is walking a large oil painting across the street. And the first guy swerves and misses it, and the second guy goes right through the middle of the painting. If you slow down the video and take a look at it, um, you know what that's a painting of? Mm-mm. Has anybody noticed it? I didn't. Mm-mm. What was it? Yeah. it? It's only a couple of frames, but it's pretty clear. You have an impression as they go through it what it is. It's a, a large oil painting of, um, of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> right through the middle of it I thought that was kind of cute uh, I've enjoyed the series and I agree with your both of your comments about um, the nod to the the, uh, the feel of the original Star Wars trilogy and then also I agree with uh, David's concerns about uh, you know where is this going and why do we care uh, I was kind of wondering I, I always felt like this was building to um, building to the, the the council meeting or where he calls in all the factions on the planet and he says you know just don't do anything don't get in the way uh, you're all going to be under me I'm going to take care of this you know it, it was pretty clear from the very beginning as he tries to establish his rule or to fill the shoes so to speak of of uh, Jabba the Hutt that uh, that this was it was building to that 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 was going to have to happen but I thought that was going to happen in one of the earlier episodes i i haven't seen number seven the final uh, installment but it, you know clearly it's building to a head of something something's going to break just tell them you want to watch football today and they'll leave you alone yeah, they're not going to know was, it's, it's it's over you know sports that was super bowl much. weekend you may remember that <laughs> oh speaking of super bowl just a total sidelight and you can Ring the bell or, or buzz me off with this, but uh, use the goat. The, use the uh, goat. Go. No. <laughs> yeah, this, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow is from my town. Oh, I mean, local boy made good. You wouldn't believe how many media stories we've had on him. Not good enough. And he's apparently. a truly nice guy. <laughs> uh, he did a wonderful thing getting the Heisman Trophy and calling attention to the food insecurities of the area and the necessity for the food bank. I mean that that was a stand-up uh, moment for him to to uh, to to share the spotlight with that. that everybody uh, appreciated that, and that's where I first uh, really know knew of him. Uh, he's from about a year or two behind my son, hmm. uh, who's graduated obviously from college. So I didn't know the family, 
but oh, that's all anybody around here seems to talk about. Wow. Until they lost in the Super Bowl, but you know yeah. nobody's holding that against him. They're saying he's young; he'll uh, get his ACL fixed. And, everybody loves you till you lose. Yeah, and then everybody well, it could, be, it could be worse. You could be the the Rams quarterback who had that photographer fall off, and she like broke her spine, and he was like oh. just walked away. Oh man, <laughs> what? Yeah, he turned his back and he said something to his wife like, "Could you take care of that or something?" Like, didn't even care. I didn't hear that one. Oh, that's been all over the place. I'll have to look that one up. See, I don't follow sports. Well, I mean, right now, sports is what it is. My wife has been just completely deep into the Olympics, the intrigue and everything going on. It's almost like the whole East German thing with the Chinese right now. It's like the 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 Chinese skaters and such you know have flaws in what they're doing and yet they're getting great scores where everybody else does really really great and doesn't get quite as good scores it's uh seems to be a repeat of that and again all this is second hand I've not been watching uh much of the Olympics myself just don't have time with everything else going on but uh likewise we did a poll on the air asking uh our, our viewers, so it's unscientific. It's only those people who care to respond who have computers. So this is, you know, don't, don't take this to the bank. But we asked, you know, how involved are you or how interested, uh, how much have you watched the, uh, the, the Olympics? And we gave them four options, um, you know, from t- for totally following it to not interested at all. What do you think the response was? Probably about 25%. At this point, twenty-five percent what? Interested, not interested, no, interested, <laughs> and then say seventy-five percent not interested. Yeah, boy, you must have seen the poll. No, just seventy-four percent said not interested at all, wow. and we whipped that thing off the air so quick because we're an NBC affiliate. <laughs> your audience. I mean, oops, Kirk, what's the weather yeah, forecast? It's, it's cold. cold out boy. there. <laughs> well, hey, so, you know what? You know, NBC, for all their their enthusiasm and, and coverage of this, at least in our particular market in this unscientific poll, our audience is not interested. Yep. And that's devastating. I think the vast majority of people are not that interested. I mean, I, I don't hear any talk about it at you know, our well, the social I, get-togethers. The discussion i is that you know, a lot of people are like, why are we even in this Olympics. Why are we going to China? Yeah. Why are we going to China again? I yeah. mean, this is the second time in the last 10 years. There are so many places around the world that would be better to have the Olympics at instead of this. And it just bespeaks the corruption of, of the International Olympics Committee, uh, China itself, um, letting the Russian skater come in after she tested for banned subjects and letting her compete. You know, that, was, that was a disgrace. Is a disgrace. There's just so much about it, and, and you, you look at... And can we just talk about that for a second? Because nobody talked about the Olympics until that happened, right? And then, I mean, everybody was talking about it, and the vast majority of people that I talked to, um, all we all had the same view, which is if she hadn't been from Russia, they would have instantly pulled her out but because she was from Russia, and Russia has a long, long history of cheating in the Olympics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a very well-known, established fact that they cheat and cheat and cheat and, you know, find ways to get around these banned substances. Because uh, the reason I bring that up is because somebody, uh, some article somewhere, it said, well, maybe she didn't know, you know, that, that she took it. It's like BS, BS. 
they know. If you're if you're old enough to compete in the Olympics, you better be asking questions. I did see another article saying she probably didn't have a choice, so I don't know. But either way, Russia just keeps getting away with this Olympics after Olympics after Olympics, and it's like to your point, Brian. Why isn't the IOC said? You know what? You're suspended. Yep. From, well, you know, they, they, the thing is, like they, you know, they suspended <clears throat> the country of Russia from the Olympics, but they said, but your people can all go ahead and compete under a different, which is dumb. Yeah, again, complete. That's completely wrong. And but then again, that's what's actually happening with the United States. We don't have mm-hmm. United States representation there, other than the people going there and and competing for us. The our, our representation have all said, no, no, we're not, we're not participating. So, you know, as a boycott. But it's a boycott yep. that means nothing. Now, uh, and, and as, you know, things have gone on, the U.S. has not performed as well in this Olympics as we had in the past. We typically would dominate the medal count, uh, whether it was summer or winter Olympics. And right now we're in fourth place behind China, Germany, and Norway. We've got, what, eight gold medals, ten silver, and seven bronze so far. And today's, what, the last day, right? Yep, yep. So, you know, I mean, the support mechanism that's always been in place for our athletes is probably not there, for one. Um, And just, again, as you say, the ratings are down. Everything going on around the Olympics just has a uh, black eye. And uh, What were you going to say, John? um, Well, I thought that one of the theories of of her taking the drug was that she accidentally took it because she drank a glass of water after her grandpa had and he had ingested the drug and there was a residual in the water in the glass (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's like i mean it's heart medicine or something but it's like it's it's like a glass of miralax you know you put miralax in your water you drink it and but uh I, yeah, and she put water in and drank it too, and and there was residual, and that's how she tested for it. I'm like, okay, that's right. very ridiculous to me. <laughs> now this guy just a positive for pot, but yeah, but I went to the McCartney concert. Yeah. <laughs> speaking uh, of Russia, what? Um, speaking of Russia and, and uh, international politics, are you all following the Ukraine situation? Uh, Golly. Brian told me not to talk about that. Okay, we won't talk about <laughs> it, but I'm just I'm holding my breath as the Olympics Agreed. end that that this is the only thing that's been holding it up. Um, I'm really worried about me. this. Yeah, I I feel I, I very sorry. Did for I say not to talk about the Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the book The Book of Brian said no politics <laughs> oh no politics okay yeah, yeah that's, that's just trying to stay away from the hard hot button and, geo, and again we're talking about the olympics politics. yeah but the olympics are also geopolitical politics so i mean it's like well we kind of went that way well i can pull us right back so i finally got to finish uh season six of expanse uh, it's not a show that my wife has any interest in watching so i've been you know when she goes upstairs go to bed i rip out a an episode. I finally finished it, and I have to say, you know, what a great show! If you really like sci-fi, um, even after six years, it ends, you know, with you wanting more. So, unfortunately, we're not going to get any more. Amazon has said this is it; they're done, you know, because they kind of rescued it from the grave. 
from uh, the, the Sci-Fi Channel. Till they do a revival. Yeah. Well, the, what I did find out, because I had to look up, uh, there were a few lingering questions. So, of course, after I finished the last episode, I Googled it, and um, one of the articles was saying that basically each season is based on one of the books in the series, and there are nine books. And so if you had read the books, you're basically through the sixth book. So if you want more, you can go and pick up, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth book in the in the uh, the series and kind of finish it out. I don't know if anybody else watched Expanse or the the Expanse. No. Hey, David. I tried and I keep how falling asleep. Are, how close are you to uh, Duluth, Minnesota? Uh, it's about two hours. Okay. Two and a half hours. I may come up and visit this August. <laughs> hmm. It'll be hot. Yeah, so that's, a, well, that's a, not a great month in, okay, in the Midwest. Okay, I got to tell you, yeah. I, I I was visiting family in Minnesota, July fourth, and we were there for a parade, and I remember sitting there on the street. And again, I'm like maybe ten years old. Okay, I'm sitting there on the street, and it's eighty three degrees out that day, but it was humid, so everybody's sweating a, a little bit. And I've been living in Texas for the last couple of years, where we get up to 115 during the summer sometimes. And I just remember some guy walking out of his shop as a praise going by going, wow, it's a scorcher out today. I don't know who he was, but I really wanted to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> this is stuck with you 48, yes. 40 some years later? Okay, I, Brian, I'm let from it go. Minnesota, okay? I was born in Minnesota. I, I lived as a kid with skates on my feet. I can skate backwards better than most people skate forwards. I was goalie material, you know, and my family moved us Here's to Texas. Here's the Olympic connection. Ah, no, just <laughs> not Olympic, hockey, hockey, which is in the Olympics, but you know, hey. Well, the men's hockey team lost, yeah. too. They're not going to any miracle on ice this year. Didn't the Canadians also lose? I think so. How does Canada lose at hockey? I know they literally have nothing but maple syrup and hockey. Yeah, it's just <laughs> and mayonnaise. Well, you know what? They got oh, that trucker situation. They, might, well, they do have no the problem. best ketchup flavored potato chips, though. You can't get them down here in the United States, except you can order them through Amazon. Roast. But it's really cheap, uh, really expensive. Yeah. No, no, yeah. ketchup flavored potato chips are awesome. John, ketchup flavored potato chips in or out? I have never tasted them. <laughs> I haven't either. Just I'm go based sure. off your gut. I mean, we put ketchup on French fries. Why not? Yeah. Just seems I don't know. I mean, I've had pickle flavored potato chips. Those are good. <laughs> yep. Uh, of course, Discovery is back. Uh, I think Kirk, aren't you watching Discovery? No. I am. No. I'd I, love to, but I, I no. I'm, I'm liking I'm liking this uh, this this uh, series. Or season better. Clearly, they listen to the feedback from uh, viewers about Burnham crying every episode. Uh, I think she's only cried one, and not not very much. I just wish it's my same complaint I've had with the last uh, couple seasons is it's just so slow to get the plot moving forward. And it's like, come on, they've got let's go. some subplots that are just not not compelling. The it, Doctor subplot no. just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I miss the engineer. Uh, what's her name? Um, Turbo. Um, I can't remember her name now. 
Oh, the comedian? Yeah, the comedian. I mean, she was one of the best parts of that show during the lean seasons, I'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so they, they need to pick up the pace. Uh, I'm not saying go back to the old format, you know, the one and done, but it would be nice to have some things actually happen. Well, I, you know, I uh, think one of the, the one of the things that, that just gets me with this show is here's this one starship that is 900 years out of time. Old technology compared to everybody else. You've got a new federation that, that's you know trying to spread its wings again. And, yeah. um, well, this week there's an issue with this happening. Hey, Discovery, yeah. <laughs> can you guys take care of this? There's a new thing going on. Hey, Discovery. I mean, are there not any other starships that can handle some, some issues there in that world? It's just well, haven't they uh, haven't they gotten enough dilithium now? Shouldn't all those other ships be out? Yeah, they are. I mean, they are. the 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 fleet is able to travel, right? Uh, so you know the, this uh, reliance upon discovery to take care of everything is just a little bizarre. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's just you know for them to move the story along, it's a little clunky as far as all that goes, though. It is, and... Um, Tignataro, you know, a, that's her name. I'm, Tignataro. Tignataro, she's um, the engineer. She has, a, she has a funny, I think it's on Funny or Die, a little thing, it's called Tignataro Under a Rock, where she interviews an actor or you know, somebody like that, a movie star, who <laughs> she has no idea who they are, they give her clues. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm looking I'm forward to, to uh, Strange New Worlds, which is the ongoing yes. adventures of Chris Pike and Spock and number one aboard the original Enterprise. But I'm also looking forward to the third season, final season of The Orville. And if you haven't seen it, there is a teaser uh, out on YouTube. That's like four or five minutes long. And it's uh, very very intense, very cool, uh, and gives you an idea what the season's looking towards. And it's just, this is Seth MacFarlane's love letter to Star Trek The Next Generation. And um, I really, really enjoy it for what it is. I don't expect it to be Shakespeare. I expect it more to be like um, Bob, the guy down the street from Shakespeare that just wished he was like him. You know? I, I've heard this is kind of a mashup. I haven't seen any of it. Um, it's kind of a mashup between like Star Trek and Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, when the series first started, it was working very hard to be a comedy, almost parody of Star Trek The Next Generation. But as they were, you know, advancing the characters more and doing a lot more character development, they found out they, they actually had some compelling storylines. And Seth MacFarlane is kind of like this, you know, I don't want to say reluctant captain, but he's the, the, the you know, that kind of captain thrust into these situations where he has to constantly rise to the level of, of other captains to, to deal with it. And it's, it's turned into a very interesting series. Plus, it's got Adrian Palicki in it, and she's always fun to look at. John, I can't remember. Were you watching Discovery, or you not in on the new Trek? Uh, I, I just got a little bored with Discovery. I, I enjoyed the uh, Pike season. I think it was season two. Yeah, uh, he, sa he saved that show. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so I'm really looking forward to Strange New Worlds coming out, mm -hmm. and. I um, I went through season three, and I just kind of lost interest. It just like like you said, the continual kind of whining, <laughs> just like, and the story just didn't captivate me or interest me. So I just kind of lost interest, and I haven't started the new series at all. I, I might try to 
take a look at it and see. It depends. But I'm not getting a lot of really positive, positive feedback on it. So I'm like, eh, okay. I mean, I like the idea of the new series. I, I just don't think, to me, uh, a thousand years in the future, to me, is not Star Trek. I mean, there's no connection to any of the other Star Trek in any way. And I kind of like the shared universe aspect of it, mm-hmm. even even like when we had Next Generation, which was so far removed from the original series. Mm-hmm. There we go. There were still callbacks to it. We still had, we still felt like we were part of the Star Trek universe. This to me doesn't feel like Star Trek at all. Uh, they were doing everything they could to distance this series away from yep. all that old stuff after they did the touches, because one of the big complaints about Discovery yep. is that. This is supposed to be 10 years before Kirk and all them, and then the technology is so far advanced. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and so, so for me, that was a short sighted thing. I mean, they should have set Discovery, you know, 30 years after Voyager, you know, or, right. or whatever, you know. Yeah, that would have been an easy way to solve that problem. Yeah. You don't need to. I mean, why, do we, why did we have, why did they decide to go? Before the original series, I mean, to me, they were, I think they were tr- trying to be too clever, and I think they clevered themselves, quote-unquote, out of relevance and for a lot of fans. Hmm. Well, what is relevant is we've got Picard Season 2 starting the first week in March, March 3rd, I think. I think the first episode is going to make or break that entire series because you know, the fans really railed upon that last episode of season one. Yeah, well, no spoilers. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything, but yeah, I mean, it's just that if this first episode doesn't dazzle and, you know, try to make up for that crap, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it will, cause Q's involved. So he's going to do the finger snap and he won't. Well, I hear it. there are great things coming. Well, we'll see between, uh, between Q and Guinan, that, that oh, that's right. Guinan's really going to be there. That's yeah. I, and yeah. I, I we're going to learn I can't their help backstory. But look forward to it, but I, I just you know hope the writers learn their lesson that you don't do not do what you did. I mean, because there was an interesting buildup going on in that series, and then that last episode and last two episodes really just kind of what the hell. Oh. Don't give it away, but I'm sure that it's a a setup for the the second and third season. Robot commune. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to change subjects completely away from. Wait, wait! Before you do that, let's not leave Star Trek. I've got oh, uh, just a little little post-it note for you. If you're dissatisfied with the new series, the original series on is airing weekly on MeTV. Last night was the 79th episode, Turnabout Intruder. (laughs) Terrible episode. (laughs) They're going to turn around the series. Therefore, next week, you can start with The Menagerie Hmm. and Captain Chris Pike. And you can watch the original series again. Are they showing the original series as shown, or are they showing it with the updated effects? Updated, except for this last episode. I didn't see any updated effects in the entire episode until the closing shot. When they literally sail off into the distance, into the horizon, and then I went, I think that's the only graphic that's been updated in that whole episode. Believe me, the last episode, Turnabout Intruder. Well, the third season was incredibly low oh. budget, and um... oh my god, it was terrible. Oh, oh shit. Um, I mean, it, 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 Shatner had 
was able to flex his his muscles a little and imitate a, a hysterical female jealousy you know to, okay i'll give that to him but oh, i hate that episode <laughs> almost as much as spock's brain where is the but, original uh, series streaming now well i don't know where you'd find it streaming but it's on me tv with right after sven Gulli. Which I know nothing about that. Are you guys you know nothing about Me TV and, and Sven Gulli? I read an article about Sven Gulli. He's been around, yeah, he, around for he's a long a, time. Comedy horror yeah, uh, movie host like Elvira. out of Chicago that is nationally syndicated now. It's very tongue in cheek. It's uh, it's it's you know lowbrow humor, um, and these are groaner nineteen fifties <laughs> black and white movies that he shows. Um, and and he, they're, they're repeating the same Revenge of the Creature and uh, them and uh, it, the terror from outer space and, and you know they get, it's just it's repeating so once you've seen them and once you get the shtick okay it's, it's uh, nothing but a, a horror movie host show but immediately following it is the classic Star Trek and following that I don't know Lost in Space and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and Kolchak, the Night Star. Oh, I love Kolchak. You know, it, it's very much nostalgic television, but uh, <laughs> turns out that Sven Gulli out of Chicago has has somewhat become their gem for Saturday evening. It's the draw that everybody goes to, but it's it's very lowbrow. Oh, you know, you'll you'll if you ever watch it, you'll you'll get the point really quick. Because uh, he's in costume, and they throw rubber chickens at him when he cracks a bad joke, and you know it's that sort of thing. So. Okay, original series right, is available. Uh, I was saying original series is available on Amazon Prime if you if you're a Prime member. Cool. So you can watch all three seasons. So, uh, inspired by David last night, <laughs> so David was watching a movie with his kids, and he showed a picture of him eating big big tubs of popcorn. <laughs> Which got my tummy rumbling, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, uh, that sounds so good. But I didn't have any popcorn in the house, so I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever. And then my husband put on Injustice, um, the Justice League DC thing that came out in October last year. Yeah, animated animated like, movie. Yeah, I can't watch this without popcorn, so I had to run to the store and go buy some popcorn. <laughs> and David, I'm blaming you, but it was so good. <laughs> yeah. The popcorn. Good, the popcorn. kettle corn. <laughs> We had yeah. kettle corn uh, and then butter, regular butter popcorn. I'm, I'm a big kettle corn fan. I'll take that mm-hmm. over regular popcorn anytime. But yeah, we, we were watching The Goonies. So we've been trying to introduce some uh, uh, classic movies to them. Yeah, from our childhood. And, you know, uh, one of the things that jumped out right away with that movie is the amount of uh, times they use the S word. And I'm and I'm thinking, man, PG was a lot more loose with uh, and liberal <laughs> with the the swears yep. um, every time one of the characters said it right my daughter would look at me like oh, it's okay it's just a movie yeah but, you uh, say that's a wrong mo- a bad word yeah yeah uh, but we got well, halfway even through in, even in E.T. you know there were a couple that dropped in there penis breath yeah if you recall <laughs> that really took me out of it it was like whoa so we got about halfway through and then it got too scary for Declan when they were in the the caves the cave system and the booby traps and so we, we took a pause there and we watched some Teen Titans go 
uh, kind of calm things down. See, but this is gotta... this is the problem with us doing this early in the day. It's not a real cocktails and comics. It's coffee and comics because any other day when you talked about booby traps, one of us would have gone. <laughs> he said boobies. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the running joke in the Goonies, right? They keep saying booby <laughs> booty traps, and it's like, no, it's booby traps. Or I've never they, seen they that. Keep, movie. They keep saying it wrong oh, over and over. Kidding. Uh-uh. Never got to see it. It was in that gap, someplace between my youth and adulthood, and I. You can't totally you can't record it. with this again until you watch Goonies. Okay. okay. So you're gonna have to you have to get have to trade in my uh, my geek badge, my uh, ID card. No, you just you were never a kid. That's true. <laughs> I'm not of your generation. Well, I'm uh, a little bit farther down the pike ahead of you. Man, guy. I am one. I am one of you, but I am not of you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There you go. So thank. So so now we have uh, popcorn uh, for a while, for the next few movies. So thanks, David. Yeah, I've got so much popcorn here. I, I don't know if I told you guys, but um, my father-in-law acquired a uh, popcorn machine, like you know they used to serve popcorn at the theaters yeah. and such. So it's got the full yeah. kettle and everything. And there's a restaurant supply not too far away from us. So I, I, I went and bought um, a couple cases. Of popcorn. Now, at, at Halloween, we served like, um, we normally serve hot dogs. But with the pandemic and everything, it's a, harder to do that than, say, popcorn or something else. So we were giving out popcorn to the parents and some of the kids and all that, along with bottled water. But we fire that thing up every week and, and make popcorn from that because it's so much better than microwave popcorn. See, now I, I John, want some popcorn. See, <laughs> <laughs> all it took was one. One photo. Uh, John, what did you think about Injustice? Because I absolutely mm-hmm. loved that comic series. Um, it went on for five years, and it was just great. I mean, some of the stuff was just out there, but it, it existed in its own continuity and separate from the regular DC but, Universe. So what did you think? Uh, it was it was a good movie, and I think they did a good job with all of the animation and stuff. It was, it was darker than I expected it to oh, be. Oh, yeah, very dark. I did not expect it to quite go that, and I was just like a little bit uncomfortable because I'm like, no, Superman can't go like this. Uh, well, <laughs> this isn't Superman if, to me. <laughs> if you want to see where it started, you should go out to YouTube and watch all the videos for um, Injustice Gods Among Us. Uh, what, what, the way this started was that uh, DC Comics had gotten into a deal with uh, Mortal Kombat and created for the various you know gaming platforms... Uh, a series of games that first started off as Mortal Kombat versus the DC Universe. And um, it was so well received that they went ahead and made another one and they created the Injustice storyline. And so the Batman of that universe came over to the good guys and said, hey, we need your help here fighting these guys. We need your Superman to fight that Superman. And uh, it was really uh, the while it had all the fighting, the Mortal Kombat style of fighting, of all the superheroes and villains, you know, from the Joker to Green Lantern to Doomsday to whatever. Um, yeah. You, you, there was a really good storyline going along in that, and if you go to YouTube, you can watch all the videos of the storyline itself. And that Superman is so brutal at one point. What he does to Captain Marvel is just, whoa. Oh, yeah. Vicious, and uh, they yep. made a second uh, series, gaming series from that also, uh, 
And I mean that that was all before the. I think they did the comic books as kind of like a side series to you know boost awareness of the games. But the comic book series took off on its own, and then of course that's why yeah. you got the the movie. Yeah, so we you know we we made it through. Uh, um, I thought <laughs> I thought Plastic Man was elevated a little to be too useful. <laughs> then what I know of Plastic Man, I'm like okay. Um, uh, and uh, my husband and I both were a little bit disappointed in the end. I mean, Superman, spoilers if you haven't seen it, Superman just flies off with Wonder Woman. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> and there were so many other things that just kind of were left dangling. Like, okay. It was a very, it seemed like a very quick wrap up. Like, oh, we've got, we, we don't want this to be longer than an hour and 20 minutes, and we're at hour 15. Quick, wrap it up. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> it's like somebody doing a presentation and realizing they only have three minutes left. Yeah, it's just like, oh, and they well, got 15 minutes of content. Slides. You can read them later, and uh, <laughs> thanks for attending. <laughs> I'm not going to clear every slide for you guys. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the work itself was good on the, the, the show. Uh, I mean, just be prepared. It's not a light comic book animated film, it's very, very dark and very bloody. So, um, now, have you all been but, watching Superman and Lois? No. No. Uh, the, the latest episodes had gotten very interesting. Uh, the introduction of Bizarro uh, into it. Uh, it was a, a good deep fake, too, because they had made it out like it was going to be Doomsday. And it was really, I mean, that we thought they were building up to a Doomsday storyline, and it turned out to be Bizarro. Spoilers for anybody that hasn't watched this, but um, it's really good. And now, see, the... the thing that's going on with this show of course is it sprang out of the crisis on infinite earth uh, miniseries that they had and up to that point superman and lois had been married and they'd have one child and then all of a sudden after crisis they have two two sons jordan and jonathan and in the series jordan had been developing superpowers um and getting, lately he's been becoming very powerful but Jonathan never had any powers. And so you thought, okay, this is going to be really, really bad for him. And things seem to be changing. And there's uh, images that were shown out on the web yesterday of Jonathan wearing the Superboy costume, much like from the, the whole um, Reign of the Superman Superboy costume that we saw like Tom Grummet put together, where he's got the Superman out logo, but he's wearing a leather jacket and sneakers. <laughs> Yeah, so that, my 90s Superboy. Yeah, there's Im imagery of that getting around. Um, but that's, I, I mean, that's all I got on that. Uh, but nobody else has been watching that at all? My we wife saw the I, final Spider-Man movie um, you, last weekend. You finally watched for it? For Valentine's Day. We, well, the wife finally relented and we went to a matinee because she figured there'd only be like five people in the theater. And so we watched it and enjoyed it very much. I have not seen it yet. I, 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 I did like the Sarah Live skit of Biden blaming everything on people going to see Spider-Man <laughs> begging the country to stop seeing Spider-Man. Mm. Stop seeing Spider-Man. <laughs> wow. I'm really surprised, David. You know, it's just, I still have this general unease, you know, to tell you the truth about sitting in a theater. And I know I've, I've heard it from multiple people that, you know, theaters are not, um, if you plan it right, you can, Go and you won't have very many people there, and you know should be pretty safe. But 
don't know. That's understandable. I mean, we were lucky when we were there. There were probably like six other people, and so we could spread out really well. We went to a, um, a matinee show uh, early in the day, so it was and, and it was and nice. now in the day of, of reserved seating, you can actually go and and you can see if you, if you you know buy your ticket say an hour beforehand, you can see how many seats there are available in the screen. And you can see, okay, this is not going to fill up in the next hour, if it's you know like like you say a weekday afternoon or something like that. So I mean that's that's food for thought there on that. Well, at this point, how much longer before I'm going to get it on Disney Plus? True. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because and that's but when there's some gonna... great special effects. Yeah, um, you'll you know it's a kind of a big screen movie, especially with uh, some of the magical spells and what have you, but. I won't say too much more then. Well, I think we've exhausted just about all the topics for this. I, I uh, did want to make a recommendation. Um, okay. And this is for anybody that. Uh, now, this is. I tried. Uh, I know, I know, but no, no, it won't be long. It won't be long. Um, <laughs> been watching a series, I think it's on Stars, um, and it's called High Town. And it's it basically it's a, it's a, it's a, a cop show, but uh, it's been very, very interesting. Um, it's uh, got uh, LGBTQ uh, plot lines within there, uh, but it's you know a, a mobster versus the cops kind of uh, show. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's got uh, Monica Raymond in there, and then uh, James Badge Dale. And if you don't recognize that name, he was one of the um, fiery bad guys from Iron Man Three. The main fiery bad guy from Iron Man Three behind Kill uh, not Killian himself, but is like second in command. Um, it's it's a really really good show. I think it's going to get a lot of Emmy consideration. The second season just completed and uh, is out there. The first season was also really really good. Uh, just uh, check it out if you're uh, so inclined. High Town. What was the name of that again? High Town. High Town. Yeah. Have to put it on the list. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> That's all I got, though. That's all I got. Uh, someone did release this week, uh, going back to John Byrne, um, a couple pages of John Byrne's aborted Shazam comic that he was working on. He was working on the miniseries, and it's all black and white. Uh, the first page actually is repurposed uh, in the OMAC series, so he had to just redraw some a few things on it because it's a gorgeous 1940 city street uh, just so uh, noir the way it looks, and then the second page is Billy Batson and Mary, um, you know, basically coming across the street tough, who kind of looks like a cross between Captain Marvel and Namor, mm -hmm. but uh, really, really gorgeous art. John Byrne, top, the height of his powers, uh, right there. I, I don't know what you guys thought of the OMAC series. Tim and I reviewed that before you guys all got on, but that was probably. Uh, some of Byrne's greatest work that you know that's been published, and as always, Elswin is continuing to go on on his website during the weekdays, and it is uh, a blast. So there's this what this issue is fantastic. Yes. Though the, the the artwork is amazing. I'm waiting to see where this Phoenix storyline goes. I, I I don't know that I'm as necessarily invested in that as I am in the Doom Magneto storyline, which is really awesome. And I, yeah, I'm not invested in the Phoenix party there. I'm like, oh, please, just wrap this part up. <laughs> but the Doom, uh, the Doom uh, Fantastic Four 
pages with Nightcrawler. Wow, yes. they're so good. And Spider-Man. Gotta love us and burn Spider-Man. And Spider-Man. Yep. And Spider-Man. Yep, yep, yep. All right, well, that's all I got. Anybody got any other recommendations for our listeners? Not right now. Okay, now our listeners, I'm talk to you right now. Look, look at me. I know you can't see me, but look at me. Anyway. I, I'm the captain. Now. <laughs> we need feedback. We need to know what you guys are thinking. We, we, we want you to write us one way or another, whether you write to us on our Facebook page or an email to us at gottagetburned at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes. We need to hear from you, you know, what you're thinking about this. Now, this year, of course, is going to be, uh, you know, a lot more burn books, but we're also going to uh, take a look at some of the works of George Perez. And uh, that's probably going to be our, one, one of our next episode is going to be a Perez episode. But we want to hear from you guys what you want us to talk about. So uh, write in and let us know. And then let us know what we've been talking about, what you think. You know, are we right? Are we wrong? Are we completely bent? Just, you know, let us know. And if you've got, you know, any uh, considerations, uh, look, recipes are always good. Uh, uh, chemical ideas to uh, get our minds, you know, more expanded. That's good, you know, within reason if it's legal. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> But uh, please write to us one way or another. Let us know. We're, you know, just craving feedback. Okay, I'm off my high horse soapbox. Anybody got anything else? I like the the Earth 3 Superman, right? Doesn't he have to eat kryptonite? Ultraman? Keep his powers? Does he eat kryptonite? That's how he kept his powers. You know, this eating stuff thing is getting weird. It's like Matter Eater Lad apparently is getting an uptick in popularity out there and I'm like where does this come from oral fixation I like that (laughs) (laughs) well how did you how did you end the episode on oral fixation (laughs) we always do okay well with that I think we can go ahead and go this has been cocktails and comics I'm Brian Hughes say goodnight I'm Kurt Greenfield John I and David Thompson goodnight goodnight adios (laughs) sayonara
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-B-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.